episode of the Jerks in the Fourth Row podcast. Today, we are covering movies that we would want to watch for the first time again. <laughs> Doc, much like many of our harebrained schemes, I never know how to like title what we're gonna what we're doing, but. Uh, as always, dog is here in Gostown. Dog. Yeah, 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 yeah. So help me out again, as you always do at the top of these things. Define what it is we're going to be talking about today. That's tough. So, but uh, so what it is is if you can rewatch a movie for the first time uh, again. So, so if you can re- revisit your experience for watching one a movie for the first time, so that could be. You know, your experience during the movie, whether, you know, it was a great theater experience or uh, if the movie really resonated with you and, you know, that or maybe it was just, you know, uh, you know, ones that if you could revisit and know that it was going to affect you somehow. Yeah. Okay. Um, So like going into a movie, not knowing how big it eventually would be or. I, I don't think that we put necessarily too much rules on this. We've talked, as we always do, a lot about what this would look like. And you can go back for a feeling. You could go back because you liked the movie. You could go back because, you know, you just for maybe you forgot, you know, what it was like to be living in a certain time. So um, I, I don't I think with our choices that, that we chose, I don't think that there's any real rules around it. So as we kind of choose the movie, we'll tell you why we want to go back. Well, and either rewatch that movie, whether it was the theaters at home, whatever. So a quick example, which I don't think you would have choose, but we've been talking Titanic a lot. And yeah. There's this huge cultural phenomenon around it and like possibly girls crying in theaters, like in sync type of deal. Uh, and you know, that could be, you know, just reliving, like you said, reliving the time yeah. or seeing that for the first time and, you know, maybe seeing as I did, seeing breasts for the first time on, <laughs> on, on screen. Oh, what do we, do we make it two minutes without you mentioning boobs? Yeah, barely, barely the two minute mark. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, so uh, the limits today, what? We're going to do three movies a piece yeah. that we wish we could watch for the first time again. Yes. And we're going to do two minutes a movie. Right. So again, this would be one of our shorter series ones, but uh, just kind of, uh, you know, just giving ourselves a couple of minutes to A, talk about the experience of watching it, why we'd want to go back and watch it, um, either the movie itself or go back in that time period, and then, you know, maybe a little ode to the movie itself. So, um, yeah, so again, like Doc said, two minutes, two minutes of movie, keeping it quick, um, and we're each going to do three movies. So let's... Um, why don't you go first, Dog, with your first movie, and I'll start the clock. All right. Well, as I always do, I had I had multiple choices here, uh, but I go and I decided to, uh, you know, choose different categories. Yeah. One was, uh, you know, my experience uh, in the theaters. Um, so it came down to two movies, and I, I I'm sure this is silly, but I got to go with Avatar. Okay. Um, yeah. Being, being in the theaters, that was one that everybody, not only, well, we, first off, we went and saw it multiple times. So that first time, you were just like taken to a different world because not only was it in 3D, but uh, it was James Cameron, right? It was a Cameron movie, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he had been waiting to, for this technology all these years. The storyline is so highly anticipated, and it actually paid off. The experience was so much fun. Um, you know, and the whole the whole crowd got into it as yeah. well. This was one of the first, 
So this is one of the first 3D movies that actually paid off. Phil, Dad, and I went and saw Beowulf, and it was kind of disappointing. Yeah, they did. They hadn't quite gotten it right up until this movie. Um, and the fact that, like you said, it was like one of those, I think we discussed it back in our, our Blockbusters podcast, but it was a winter block, uh, blockbuster. So everyone was home. No one had, you know, everyone was, you know, maybe getting a little tired of family time. You guys go, you go out and watch a movie. And, and, and I was with you the first time we saw this. There were literally people spilled out into the aisles watching this. Because I, I don't know whether if they snuck in or if they just oversold the movie or, or what. But it just seemed like it was at 120% capacity. And there was a buzz, there was a buzz in the movie theater. Um, Absolutely. I mean, it was like it was like a ride itself. Mm-hmm. Um, like, then that's what we thought 3D movies were going to be like. Uh, and it literally just you know riding on the dragons or whatever. Uh, and also the the colors were just incredible. It was just a vibrant movie. It popped. It, it popped. Uh, it definitely popped. And it, well, that that's the buzzer right there. But I think that again kind of sets the tone for you know, what we mean by experiencing something for the first time again, because it was just, it was more than just a movie. It was an experience. It was an event, right, yeah. Not only shared with people, like, in the theaters, because there was, like you said, would you you say a buzz? Yeah, there's a buzz. There's a a buzz about, and, uh, but also, again, we, we multiple, we, we went multiple times just because it was, it was an experience to be had in the theaters, which is, uh, I think, Kind you went multiple times. I just saw it once in the theater. I, I, I all right, and this is the last thing I'll, I'll say on it. So, do you think when theaters back open up again, and you know, uh, people are going to see it? I think I know my answer. Would, would you go see it in theaters again if it were Avatar? I would only yeah. see. I would only see it in the theater again. I've tried to watch it on cable, and it just doesn't hold up. Like no. it, like you said, it's more of a. A carnival ride, not a carnival ride, but it's more of a theme park ride of a movie than it is actually a good movie. It's a decent movie, but the the fun of it is the visual effects. Um, yeah. So but that actually would that, that be an interesting idea, though, just to just to have you know them put it out again. People would definitely. Go I'm surprised it. they don't do it more often because there's certain yeah. movies like a you know Jurassic Park, like one I'm about to get into. That just if you're watching it in your in the theater and with people, there's no uh, there's no kind of replacement for that in the home in the home theater. Um, one of those things. One of the ones that that reminds me of is the Quiet Place, and this isn't one of mine. Or not the Quiet Place. What was it called? Right, a Quiet, place. a Quiet Place yep. with John yep. Krasinski and um, Emily Blunt. Right, like yep. just watching that. Crystal and I went. I think it was like two or three years ago. Whenever it came out. But just like being able to be in the theater and hear a pin drop was like a unique experience. And hearing the guy, you know, two rows up or, you know, I guess he'd be in the sixth row if us jerks were in the fourth. And just hearing him, <laughs> hearing him crunch the popcorn and just be like, shut the fuck up. Like, sh- like the, cause thinking, because thinking the monsters, you're afraid of noise in a theater. It was kind of a cool experience. And yeah. so that type of yeah. thing. Um, but, but the one that I had, so that was very much like this was. Um, the Matrix. So yep. this 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 is an official pick of mine, and okay. it, for the same for the same reasons you said about Avatar, it's ju- it was just visually stunning for the time when it came out. Um, Did you see it in theaters? Oh yeah, because we had the DVD, and then of course I was nine years old, so I wasn't allowed to go see an R-rated movie 
in theaters. Uh, yes, I did see it in theaters, yeah. <laughs> Um, it, it was R-rated, was it? I thought the original one was PG-13, no? No, absolutely R-rated. All right, well, for wh- however, I can't remember who I went with, but I just remember, this was like the time... Of course. Like, I, I know I went to see the second and third one with that. I can't remember if it was the first one. No. But it was like it was like this technology that they kind of had that a camera that could go in a 360 motion around whoever. It, it almost... Movies up until that point were in, were in a Hollywood setting, so you wouldn't be able to see, obviously, the cameras and the studios and the, and the directors behind. This, like, knocked down, like, that that next wall, and it just right. opened up everything in, like, a 360 view. I mean, it's, it set the standard for visual effects for the next, for forever thereafter. Mm-hmm. Like, and so still, you're not, to this, right. still to this day, it's, it, it's, it's, it's still stunning. Yeah. And, uh, like... Uh, I'm just picturing Trinity, you know, going off the building, the explosions, and she holds on the rope from the helicopter and like smashes into the the glass. Like that's still cool. It's like, very cool. And there's there's like that pulse almost. There's a couple times in the movie where right. like either Neo hits the ground and pulse like the concrete pulses, or like you said, the the, the building pulses. There's obviously I, we can't go with this two minutes without mentioning the bullet scene where he's dodging dodging the bullets in like slow motion and as the camera is just panning around them and it, it was just like mind-blowing i'd never seen anything like that looking back at it now all, all these movies do that now with the C, but the cgi at the time was new and i just wish i could like transplant and watch that again in the theater because audibly too the sound of it was with the bullets flashing and and the glass breaking all that stuff was was in it was just like another level of of the movie theater or of the movie experience, the theater. Absolutely. No, and it was the idea also was pretty transcendent in this new computer age. Mm -hmm. Like the internet is just taking off and people are starting to understand uh, life inside the internet in a a way. And like he is like a, Neo is like a a cracker or whatever. That's in the real world. A code. In the the Matrix world. He's a code cracker. Dog, not yeah. to use a derogatory term, yeah, but sorry, I don't know. How dare you call anyways, me? so anyways, he, uh, <laughs> anyways, it's just the it is really the 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 the, the standard of like where we we're going technologically, yeah, and uh, and it really again the the idea on top of the the visual effects was was really effective, yeah. All right, so who's your who's your next one? What's your so I always, again, categories. So this one was ones that stuck with me, but I, I wish I could experience because I, I don't think I've had this feeling in a movie again, and you might laugh. So the movie is Sleepy Hollow with uh, Johnny Depp. You have you have some explaining to do. Go. Okay, so I mean, I was a... Because that, that movie you know, is... You wouldn't be going back to watch the movie, would you? What, I mean, I've actually gone back and watched the movie recently, and I... I don't enjoy it. I, okay. I wouldn't consider it a, a hate watch, um, but I definitely, you know, I kind of enjoyed it. But it, so let me explain. So we were at the lake, and so it, this, uh, which is a creepy house we went, and uh, I was with two of my buddies, Jack Daly and Sam Eads, and I was again, it was '99, so I was nine years old, and wasn't used to horror films. <clears throat> and this is like I can remember, and I don't remember any other film that did this to me. Where I was straight up covering my eyes. I know it's goofy, but like the heads getting chopped off and like the, I was so scared that I like literally 
I had to ask my buddy, it was Jack Daly and Sam Eads, and I had to ask them not to tell anybody that I was so scared <laughs> at school. Well, you know what the move is, dog, in that case, if you're that scared. And I've done this before. Uh, is you're just like, oh, I'm just going to, you guys keep watching the movie. I'm just going to go take a dump and then just stay in there like through the scary parts. Like that's what I used to do as a kid. <laughs> just I, was to hide. To Matt, I was saying to Maddie and my roommate earlier, the only other time I had to look away was in, I think it was Jackass 2 when Pontius uh, makes the, the horse. Oh, uh, God. See, when I saw that, they blurred it out. But and, anyways, that's. Well, I couldn't watch it. But again, that's not something I want to relive. <laughs> right, right. Whereas, uh, whereas that fear that a movie produced, especially a Tim Burton, it was, you know, hokey and Johnny Depp is, you know, of course, and he's all white, you know, makeup. And, always. Uh, always. Uh, anyways, but, uh, you know, it's a pretty gruesome film, and, it, and I remember it specifically in the, fact, in the fact that I had to ask my friends not to tell anybody how scared I was. It really tells you that, that I was truly, I, this experience stuck with me. Like, you find a bowl of chocolate pudding in your underpants after that movie, or what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on that note. <laughs> I'm, anyway, surp- I'm surprised. Just- That's a shocking one for you to bring up, but I, I, I get it. That's why, I, as people who listen to this podcast know, I love scary movies. I go for that feeling. I love being uncomfortable we, watching we, we movies. We, me and Maddie discussed like maybe The Exorcist or something like that, but I may have uh, been the first time I saw The Exorcist. I think I was a uh, a teenager, may have been watching it with a girl, so I was a little bit more distracted. Yeah, uh, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so those are different experiences that we probably won't go into. Well, okay, but, uh, so that gets me to my next one, which actually is kind of like that. Like this wasn't. I don't remember this. I remember I was on a date when I watched this movie, but I couldn't tell you who it was, who it was with. Um, but so it was late eighth grade. And so I just remember going to see this movie and I thought it was going to be a date night. It turned out to be like the movie was packed with like the future class of West High. And I, and I met. Uh, so anyways, the movie was 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh, boy. Right. Not a great movie, but you know what? Go back and rewatch it. And I don't know if I just get like a nostalgic feeling every time. I really like 10 Things I Hate About You. Okay. So good. So then then you're on board here. But the, the I feel like that's where Joseph Gordon Levitt, like that, he just belongs there. Like if you listen to our podcast in the prior, you know I don't like Joseph Gordon Levitt, but that's where he belongs in like a high school movie, like kind of corny, like American Pie. Guys, we're all gonna like have a great time and stuff. Yeah, like, and then there's the like, jo- the jocks, the freaks, the artsy people. Like, there's all these stereotypical Heath groups, Ledger, right? Heath Ledger making himself a heartthrob somehow in the movie. Yeah, like, he was like a modern day Judd Bush, like uh, the guy, not Judd Bush, who's who am I thinking of? Um, the guy from The Breakfast Club. He's like a modern day uh, God. Why can't I, know I remember? You're, I know, know who you're talking about. Why can't I think Jim. of it? I, I'm not. An, I can't say I'm an '80s kid, so I don't have that one off the top. All right. Well, we'll have to do this in the outtakes. Uh, something Hirsch. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Hirsch. Joel Hirsch or Judd Jud- Hirsch. I'm not Judd Hirsch. Judd Hirsch. I think it is. Anyways, there you go. That's me freestyling. But anyway, you should have that dog. You're born five years before me. I should have this. But anyway, the the feeling was the packed theater again, and it was. I'm looking around and. Little did I know then that that it was probably about like 20% of my graduating class. It was Manchester coming together with Bedford and us kind of, you know, who's that girl? Who's your girl? Who's, you know, 
it was that feeling of kind of like, you know, I'm not so sure, but I know who these guys are I, only by name. And that night we all kind of came together and like really enjoyed the movie. And there's also like a little tension in the movie theater, like with, you know, because everyone was out on dates and stuff like that. Elizabeth pubescent sexual tension. And I think that's what the movie was kind of about too. Like with, because Alex Mack was in that movie. That's why I said, oh boy, because it's perfect. Yeah. So it was kind of like the perfect storm with all that stuff and, it, I don't know. It was, I just remember the, I, I clearly remember the feeling and I remember uh, the movie because I, you know, they play that a lot on cable, you know, afterwards. So if I could take it, if I could go back into like that particular time with not having known the movie and not knowing what was going to go on that night, I would definitely, you know, so time, we, we time are, machine we, back in there. We talk about cultural phenomenons with movies and like, so like the American pie of your class. So literally the romanticization of high school and college and all that stuff was being shoved right in your guys' face. Mm -hmm. And you were there with your classmates experiencing it. Yeah. Like, it was romanticizing. I feel like that's something that our generation didn't, and the younger doesn't necessarily No, so I think it's coming back now on like Netflix and stuff like that. There's a ton of movies and series, like 13 Reasons Why, for, for instance, um, the tall girl. There's, there's so many. I but feel like I see so much theater experience. It does, I don't right. Think it's, I it's not happening in the theater. Generation is doing. I, I mean, I can't say I'm connected. As you know, I don't have. You know. A, no, you're right. You're right. No, I, I, I think you're right. It's, it's not happening in the theaters now. It's happening now on social media. People will watch it and either go to like a video blog or they'll talk about it in class or text or Snapchat. You know, certain lines from it. So the experience is still happening. It's just not in the theater. Whereas back in the day, that was our only option. So, um, but I, I have seen an uptick of like teen movies and series just through Netflix. I've watched some of them, but I don't really get it as much, obviously, because I'm not in that time. But I understand that it, how why it's so popular and why these like younger actors are relating with you know kids. And much like much like we've done or will be doing on another podcast. Some of these people will go off and have careers, and then some of them will be left behind, like the Devin Sawaz that we're talking or about. Like the girl in 10 Things I Hate About You, Alex Mack. Alex Mack, exactly. Disappear off the face of the earth, when really yeah. she was the star. She was the star. Her and Julia Stiles were the stars yeah. who we went so to go Julia see. Julia Stiles goes on to have a great career, and not, I mean, a, a good, good career. Good career. And then Alex Mack, does her. Face never changed, so she will forever yeah. be Alex Mack. I don't really even know her real name. It's almost like right. she turned into a puddle and went somewhere. And, and if our, we have younger listeners, Alex Mack was a Nickelodeon show in the nineties where she was like a uh, psychic or something. She's like, like basically that. like an X Man. She was like she had like weird powers. Yeah. So, so, anyways, we're getting on to my last one. All right, yeah, your last one. Uh, this is tough. So I I wanted to choose <clears throat> a serious movie to relive for the first time but with no foresight of like what the movie is going to be like but with the knowledge that this movie is going to stick with me and it's going to be great so i want to go into a movie and be like wow this is going to fulfill everything and it's going to be one of my favorite movies forever and it came down to three of them dang i really want to talk about dang well uh, time your, your clock's ticking so i gotta go with the revenant that's that's the choice. Nice. I, I loved it. I saw it in the theaters too. I loved, I loved it. Uh, 
All right, yeah, I'm going with the Revenant uh, because all right, the it was my I saw it on my birthday, my 28th birthday. My buddy Dylan took me, so the whole day was. I'm not a birthday person, and uh, so it turns out that I went to the theater. First off, he he was like in control, and I was bothered by that. But it turns out my friends were throwing me a huge surprise party, and he had distracted me with the Revenant. So not only did I go and see one of my favorite movies, uh, this is why I'm choosing. I know it's not necessarily according to what I was saying before, but it's one of my favorite movies, and it, the experience was so intense, like the the chase scenes, just like the the action, was so intense that I was on the edge of my seat, um, and I just like, and then thereafter I, I went in my, I, I was just like, I was like, where are we going, dude? Come on, where are we going? It's my birthday, and then I showed up at my house, and there is like a, all of my friends from Asheville, mm-hmm. there being a huge surprise party. So I feel like I had to involve that one just because it was one of the best. One one of the best like evenings with the Revenant, like so reliving that experience. And I know I got time, so I'm going to include it real quick. Uh, I was going to go with Forrest Gump, so also cool. Like, yeah, but I, just to relive relive something that I knew was going to affect the rest of my life. It introduced me to music, and introduced me to so many cultural, uh, you know, influences of the past. And yeah. So. So I, I'm I'm with you. The the Revenant wasn't on my honorable mention list, but would I mean I would love to watch that in the theaters again, mainly just for that opening scene when they're battling the native people. Um, just like you know, things are coming through the trees, like the camera's kind of stuck behind the tree. You just kind of always want to see around the corner, and then something something major will be happening, and the the focus will be on either Leo or whoever. Actually, is Leo? Yeah. The focus will be on like the uh, the pelt. The... Leo's out hunting when it went in, and it's just quiet, and then all of a sudden, it, uh, uh, there's an eruption, and he heads back. Right, and then and something it, like, but like something big will be going on in the background, and it's all shot in one take too. So the camera will then pan to what's happening over there. But like, it's almost like you're with the cameraman. You, it's almost like a first person. The camera's not jumping from scene to scene like it normally would in like a battle scene. I'm not sure. It has to like get over there. Shot. What's that? The, con- the continuous shot was amazing. Like, of course, it's edited somehow, but it was so. It was. It was just fl- kind of flawless, seamless. Um, yeah. And I don't know. I, I. I. Also, when so when Leo's going after Tom Hardy at the end, and that when they're just fighting and they're like just dragging away from each other, and one. One guy will axe off, you know, Tom or Leo will axe off Tom Hardy's hand, then he comes back and stabs Leo. It was just, I was literally just screaming. I was like, oh, like mm-hmm. it, was, it was, it was long, you know, and it, but it was so, it was so well done. The theater made that that movie too because, like, wherever they're fighting, I, I think we mentioned it in a past podcast. I think they did it somewhere in like Alberta, Canada, or something like that, or Vancouver, just outside of Vancouver. It just makes the mountains up there just look that much more vast than you would you know, normally get from, you know, whatever, just watching it on your home screen. It was just, you felt like you were, you had to like crank your neck back up to look at the mountains, you know, and then focus back again when you're looking at like Leo and Tom chasing each other. They probably start out like 500 yards away and it's this open, you know, this beautiful shot. And then they zoom in and it takes about 30 seconds. And then it zooms into Leo walking in the middle of his vastness. Mm-hmm. Very it's cool. just, it, was, it, was, it was great theater experience. Yeah. Uh, and before you get into your last one, <clears throat> we talked earlier in a podcast about whether I prefer 
home experiences or theater experiences. I'm kind of talking myself out of my answer. I well, guess. you were you were at the you were at the end of that last podcast, but I think yeah. also the fact that we haven't been to a movie theater in probably five months now, still in in quarantine, then that that's probably having a lot to do with your decision too. So. All right, last one here, uh, since times were, of course, in true Jerks in the Fourth Row podcast, we're going way over on all these. Um, my last choice was Casino Royal. It came down for two. I wanted to include a James Bond one in this because I've had my, I wouldn't say my mind blown, but I've had some of my best movie theater experiences with three in particular, GoldenEye, uh, Skyfall, and then the one that I'm going with is Casino Royal. Um, and the reason Casino Royal stuck out to me is as much for two reasons. It was kind of like the the turning of the guard. It was it was uh, Daniel Craig's first um, first movie as with him as Bond, and it went yeah. from kind of like a snarky gadget using Pierce Brosnan, you know, one liner Pierce Brosnan, into like a newer, rawer 007. So dad, dad, dad loves to call. If you ever ask him about James, the Daniel Craig James Bond, he's just a thug. He's a thug. So that was the second. That was the second part. See that in theaters together. Yeah. So that was the second part of it. Is because I would say I don't know twenty five percent of the movies I've seen in theaters has been with Dad, um, and it's like the whole. You know, hey, let's go see a movie. It's like, like when he described it on our whatever cameo podcast that we had. Uh, or when he made his cameo, he's like, yeah, you go into the AC, him and I would either go up for something to eat or for a beer after and just kind of discuss the movie. So it's a mixture of like the movie, you know, Bond's one of my favorite series, maybe my favorite Bond movie. And then that, that whole, you know, the father son thing that we had with the, you know, the experiencing the movie together and just kind of talking it over at, over a beer after after the movie. No, it's a it's a great point. It's a huge connector between the three of us. Yeah, uh, me and Dad. And uh, no, that's a that's a really good point. Uh, and you, again, you talked me out of my. I think you talked me out of my opinion that I prefer movies at home because clearly, clearly we've had some fun in the theaters. Yeah, your your most memorable movies happen usually when you're in the theater. But um, the, the the scene I really wanted to kind of highlight too from that. <laughs> that made it so cool to see it in the theaters and see it for the first time was the, the park, the parkour scene at the beginning. So it's at the time, I think parkour was kind of like a thing and parkour. Not, not that like that's cool or anything, but basically James Bond is going after this bomb maker that is just so elusive. He's running up and down the scaffolding and jumping off of like some of these buildings that, you know, if he, he probably couldn't have really done in real life, but he's doing like the tuck and roll like you see with parkour. There's elevators go. There's just a shitload of things going on, and it and it ends with James Bond just killing him at a consulate, which is just completely out of line and illegal, and something that the old James Bond in his code would never do. Well, Pierce Pierce would have never been up on like the scaffold. Yeah, he wouldn't have never been outside of a tuxedo. Like he was just always yeah, wearing he something would have been else in one of the machines, maybe like getting us. You know, sure. Like there. Bond, you're right, changed with Daniel Craig. That's a, it's a good point. So it was kind of cool because I loved Pierce Brosnan as a, as a James Bond, but it's just a different take on it. So that's why I'm kind of – I love Daniel Craig as James Bond, but I'm ready for the next one. I'm ready for the next – who's going to be the next guy to take it on? Um, there's so, There's been whispers of uh, – what's his name? Eldra um, – Idris Elba. Idris Elba taking it over. I think that would be kind of cool. That would be kind of cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. 
who else have I heard whispers of of taking it on? I, I can't remember. I just kind of want to see like the next because I feel like da- Daniel Craig's been with us now for over a decade. I think this he'll be coming out with his fifth or sixth movie, um, and you know it's about it's time that he goes because I think Pierce had four. It should be every four you change bonds. So I'm looking forward to seeing whoever the next one is, and who knows, maybe that will replace my future experience. You know, later. Scarlett Johansson could be Jane Bond. Mm, I'm not ready for that yet. Not ready for that. Yet. <laughs> uh, I just is no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but no, that's all right. So, um, so who? Our right, last question because we got to wrap it up here. So, who in your mind, when you picture James Bond, who comes to in your face, in your in your mind? Pierce Pierce Brosnan. Yep, absolutely. So my, I think Dad would say Sean Connery, um, but growing up playing Goldeneye, especially. Yeah. Yep. So Goldmine was the other one, and, and th- I mean, mainly because it was such a huge part of the culture, vi- both video game and the movie itself. That scene where he's diving after the, the um, whatchamacallit, the plane, and he, he skydives to a plane and then saves it from crashing is just one of the coolest c- scenes I've ever seen on, on cinema. It was also at the beginning of that scene, you're coming in into from the mountains into 3d and you almost like sit in your seat and lose your balance because it's like kind of like that omni theater feeling of you're actually like diving into like the barracks or wherever they start the movie out in. yeah and like sean bean is in it who fun fact sean bean has died 23 times on screen really he's ned, he's ned stark you know he's yeah he's yeah just like, he's just like he's always dying in movies but well, anyways traveling is is like if we were our prior podcast was villains and traveling is, is just a great villain. Right. He's, well, know, he dies. He seemingly dies twice in that movie. Once at the beginning, and then once at the end. Yeah, and then who's the the girl Natasha? Yeah. Or, not, not, Natasha's with him, and then who's the who's the evil girl? Zena. 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 Yeah, yeah, she's got the leg. Oh, that's a great villain. Yeah, that's a great. Villain. She is good. She's just got like that like curdling scream too. But she's having fun while she's killing people. Like it's yeah, and she's sexy. So and she's sexy. All right, so honorable mentions. We're at the 30-minute mark, but I did have some honorable mentions. Um, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Do you want to go with your honorable mentions? I mean, I just well, have two that you didn't – I had Avatar as one. So uh, Avatar was – yeah, I figured I was stealing that one for me. So for my uh, <clears throat> my uh, categories, so experiences was Avengers Endgame, me and Curran, uh, the Cub went and saw it in the entire – so this is the end we have been watching since Iron Man 1, you know, literally 10 years or plus in the making, which is unprecedented in movies. And then, like, I remember talking about the buzz in the theaters. You know, it's full of, like, all different tech. But, like, everybody was, like, cheering and was, uh, you know, we, we were just, like, when Cap finally says Avengers Assemble, the, the movie theater erupted. Mm-hmm. And it, that was cool. Uh, so also a movie to move on. The movie you gave me, The Doors, with Val Kilmer. Yeah, yep. I remember my specific... I, I watched it in a DVD player in my room in the dark, and I came out, and I felt different. You had a girl over, and I, like, came down after there and was, like, totally <laughs> disassociated because I was so taken with, like, the whole... It was Oliver Stone. He did a good job, but I was yeah. just t- so taken with it. Um, um, I had here, uh, obviously, The Quiet Place. I mentioned that earlier in the podcast. That's a good one. I, I had Gladiator, and I watched it twice, and both times was was just was great. I could put that, I could classify that one as one that I saw with Dad. Um, 
So I think I was too young to go out and have a beer or whatever, but we, you know, we might've gotten some ice cream or something after that. And that was, that was a really cool one in the theaters. They brought the Coliseum back to life. Russell Crowe was in his prime introduction, introduction of Joaquin Phoenix. And then I have, um, the Batman, Batman movie. I have Dark Knight. Dark Knight. Yeah. That's a Dark Knight. That's an honorable mention as well. well. Yeah. So those were pretty much all the ones that I had. I had some, some, Ones, I guess this is more of a theater experience rather than wanting to go back and watch that because it was such an awful, but it was just kind of, a, I remember the theater experience. I know that's not what we're doing on this podcast, but it's kind of evolved into that, I guess. It was the pa- Passion of the Christ. I saw that in college, my religion teacher in college made us, made us go out and watch that for extra credit with him. And he was like all about it. And it, like looking back, it was just kind of like, ugh, you just walked out of there with such a gross feeling of like guilt and like why what did I just watch like did I watch something that was accurate or what like what the what was that you know like cool. yeah so, that, that's a cool one that that would be an interesting experience yeah so I just because <clears throat> there is you're right there's such a heavy cultural like guilt wave almost like yeah to get to be a better Christian and so, I mean, know I wish I could see Django Unchained again yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was one of the great theater. That's got a lot of gore and you know. And then killing. the last one I had was Place Beyond the Pines, uh, which is a, uh, a. I'm not sure if you see. Yeah, I've, I've seen it. Was that ever in the theaters? But or... I'm not sure if it was in the theaters. This is one I saw out west in California with my, with Dylan, Jared, my buddy Homer. We stopped at Homer's place in in Vista, California. We we were in this apartment and we had watched on this tiny screen. And it was such a gripping movie, but the fact that we were traveling and out of state and we, you know, we're in unfamiliar ground, we were just totally taken into this movie mm-hmm. and it was almost like a, uh, a comforting feeling, but also just like, you know, I remember the experience of sharing it with my buddies. Um, but also, uh, you know, there, I also had that experience with American Psycho in Europe. Uh, when we, me and my traveling friends, we all just laid in a bed and watch American Psycho as fucked up as it is, it was a comfort thing. Uh, so, were you guys all in the same bed? Yeah. <laughs> nice. That's but, dude. We we would watching American Psycho in the same bed. There's we something would get single person hotels for eight of us. Listen, we were traveling cheap, but <laughs> I know the. Oh, I, I stayed in my share fair fair share of hostels, but none with TVs in it. Uh, last one I had here was Anchorman because I just haven't put a comedy in there. It was one where. People, again, packed house, and every joke landed. Everyone's laughing. It's like, it, you know how, like, when you watch a sitcom, there's a laugh track, and you can't tell one laugh from the other? It was just kind of like a roaring laugh to the point where I had to go back and watch it again, not in the theater, but when it came out, because I, I feel like I missed half the stuff because I was if, if laughing my shaft off. Will Ferrell uh, dressed up as Ron Burgundy and was doing interviews, and it was so highly anticipated because he was solely took on this character – and like in everything you saw, he was Ron Burgundy, and there's yeah. all these interviews. And then the movie came out, and it was it lived up to the it lived up to the hype, which very few movies do. And yep. it was it was funny. All right, that that was all I had. You good yeah, too? That's, that's it for me, man. Um, so again, as we always want to say, uh, everyone stay safe with the COVID virus. Um, let's maintain the idea that Black Lives Matter and that racism should be ending. Uh, so anyways, uh, Doug? Yes? Anything else? 
That's all I had. That's it. I, I echo echo your sentiment. Amen, dog. All right, all right, man. I'll talk to you soon. Peace. I did everything I thought was right. Got my stapler, got my shirt and tie. Set me up to zone.